0: Hey, it's Denny again from Friendly Sports Bar and Grill in South City. With the Blues in the playoffs and the Cardinals kicking off their season, Friendly's has got you covered. There isn't a better place than Friendly's to cheer on the Blues and the Cardinals. The big beer garden is now open, and with our farty TVs, the MLB package, and the home team specials that include $1.80 burgers, brats, hot dogs, and nachos, and of course the cheapest drinks in town. Why not join us at Friendly's at 3503 Roger Place?
1: Welcome back to the Edmonds and McKernan Show. Now, here's Jim and Tim on CBS Sports 920
0: and InsideSTL.com. We play sick beats on the show, I guess. You know what I like right there? Uh, the bass line? Yeah, no, the fact that we have no commercials. <laughs> it's because Tony's on hold, and so we don't want exactly. to keep him on hold. Exactly, we got to get that man yeah, exactly. to the mic. Yeah, Trust me, if I were calling and we'd do 20 minutes of commercials, uh, it is the Edmonds and McKernan Show, the debut program here, live from Llewellyn's in Soulard, opening day festivities. Register to win one of two pairs of Cardinal box seats and Cardinal prizes from Anheuser-Busch. Scott Roland going to join us here in about a half hour. Tim McKernan and Jim Edmonds with you. Text in at 38822 or give us a call on the SEPA GM Country phone lines, 314 880 Zero eight. Now joining us on those Sapa GM Country phone lines, the Cardinal manager, the Hall of Famer, Tony LaRusso. Good afternoon, Tony.
2: Good afternoon.
0: How you doing?
2: Well, my first thought would be that if uh, I was still managing and Jim was on our roster, that he would come in and remind me he was from California and he doesn't play when it rains.
1: I tried to get away with that today on this show, and they didn't buy it. So uh, welcome, actually, to our first show. And uh, I I think you're in town, aren't you?
2: Yeah, yeah. I've got my red jacket on. I actually, sli- I got it fitted yesterday. And I slept in it. didn't even get a wrinkle.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is your first time wearing the red jacket. How does that whole thing feel?
2: It, uh, it's an incredible feeling. And uh, we just did something. Over at uh, Ballpark Village, they they opened the Cardinal Hall of Fame and went for the fans to get a little over that place. That They've done such a great job. So I was there with all, all the other Hall of Famers. It's a very humbling feeling.
1: You beat me to the punch. I was going to ask you if you've seen that, and I think I, I think I knew that you had already been over there, but what do you think about that place? Isn't that amazing?
2: It, it's done so well, and... Uh, I saw you hit the home run in the 15th inning about four times, which uh, gave me goosebumps. pimples. But they've, yeah, it's just so typical of, the, of Bill and, and, you know, the ownership group. I mean, they have really honored the history since day one in 96, and they continue to do it.
1: I uh, I thought that was important. I, I put that in a, a little show yesterday that we did on TV, and I thought it was kind of cool that – Grow we not growing up here but playing here and now living here for so long that all you hear is about the cardinal history and the cardinal history but you really until today haven't really had a chance to really see it anywhere it's everywhere but it's not in one place and nothing like it is in that place and uh i think it's pretty cool like you said you get to put that red jacket on and you know i'm proud of you and i think that was really awesome but uh that was just, it's a really neat, neat place to go and see all the Cardinals history and, and that, all the Hall of Famers and hopefully the future Hall of Famers, too. Well,
2: that's a good way to put it, Jim, because, you know, we hear about it. Uh, you know, we read about it. But when you actually see, I mean, they have jerseys. They had a jersey that branch Ricky wore as a manager. I mean, you know, uh, they just have so many pieces going back to the beginning of the Cardinal franchise, and, and they bring it up to date. There's some uh, hands-on stuff for kids. Yeah, and, you know, there's so many highlights over the many years, and, and uh, you get a chance to enjoy them all. I mean, it's really well done.
0: Tony Larusso with us on the SAPA GM Country phone lines. You will be going into uh, the big, big Hall of Fame here coming up in July. I don't—I I haven't heard you talk about this yet. I'm sure you have, but I'm just curious uh, from a fan standpoint what that moment was like when you found out you were going into Cooperstown.
2: Uh, I think the word I used, uh, Tim, was stunned. And uh, you know, we were in Orlando for the winter meetings. Uh, cause they're from, you know, from Major League Baseball, but I had just convinced myself that, uh, because Bobby and Joe had retired a year before, you know, that they would go in and I would have to wait till the next time around. And and you find out that, uh, you get the phone call and they, they got a neat way to do it. They uh, say you'll get a phone call around 830. If you don't get a phone call, it means you're not in. You just leave. But, uh, I, you know, I, I, and I didn't ask when so you go down to me and the, it's okay in an hour, to come down to the uh, this, this meeting room and then we are going to go over to the hotel and uh, and there was Joe and and, uh, and Bobby as well See, and that was absolutely perfect because I couldn't enjoy and respect two guys uh, more over the years and going together makes it just right
1: That's pretty cool that you say that because it's something about uh, admiring your peers I think is, is something that you grow to understand but what I thought was really cool is I think that you and I had dinner maybe a night or two or three right before that, and I talk about how solid you always were and how calm and how everything was just like, I always talked about how easy you were to explain things. And we had dinner, I, I mean, do you remember that? Maybe a couple nights before, and you did not say one word about the Hall of Fame, and I didn't have any idea not following it in the off-season the way I do, that he that it was being voted on or that it was coming up, and I woke up in the morning and saw that, and I thought to myself, I cannot believe he didn't say anything to me two days ago, three days ago, and the first thing, I couldn't get to my phone fast enough to congratulate him, but I just wanted to say that I thought that was pretty cool that you were just so calm, and it's not like a vote for me thing, and, and it was just, uh, it was a pretty special moment for me um, also.
2: Well, that's interesting. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I definitely was not calm. It's just like people say, you know, that you're kind of calm in the dugout, but the insides are just firing all the time, and <laughs> you, know, you can't decide whether you're going to throw up or or, uh, or or just pass out. But, uh, you know, I don't know, Jim. It was just, you know, and I, I, I'd say the best point to make, and I mean this so sincerely, but see, I'm not a player, and if a player goes in, I mean, he really did it on his own merits. And I, I I do think there were people along the way that helped him here and there. But when you go in as a manager, I mean, you're so reliant on the org, the total organization. And in my case, there were three places that were exactly the same. You know, you had, you had development, you had scouting, you had front office, you had ownership. So, I mean, I just, uh, even with the 2000 wins, I always refused to take it personally because it's something that it was just a group endeavor including these great coaches over the years so that's how i feel about it and and uh you know i, I don't i feel like it sounds a little corny but i mean sincerely it's, it's definitely a we thing it's not a me thing
0: tony larousse is our guest here on the Edmonds and mckernan show you're listening to cbs sports 920 and inside tony with us on the sapaw gm country phone lines tony when you decided not to wear the cardinals the a's the white Sox cap in Cooperstown, some in St. Louis were uh, surprised, perhaps disappointed. Uh, could you give your uh, thought process on on why you elected to just keep the uh, cap blank, so to speak?
2: I, well, I knew it was a, it was not going to be very popular here in St. Louis, uh, and, and I, I've gotten you know that that's been communicated to me several times by people close to me. But you know the, the way I tried to explain, and one of the important ones was Bill DeWitt, because I mean he's been such a solid owner. From day one for 16 years. And what I explained to him was I said, you know, one of the reasons that we really prospered over the years was that we were a very cohesive organization all the way through. I mean, it wasn't anybody that worked for the Cardinals. I don't care sure what your job was. If you were in marketing, if you were in sales, if you worked in the clubhouse, if you did travel, if you, you know, if you did administrative stuff like Judy, it wasn't anybody that wasn't connected and felt like they were a part of what was happening with our major league team. I mean, we all reached out. We have great relationships. I said, that's exactly what I had in Chicago and Oakland. And it would be very disrespectful to those two places to pretend that, uh, you know, they were not important. And I just, it was not, it, I knew it was going to catch some heat. I'd say it was a very easy thing to do because there was no way that I would dis- disrespect uh, the White Sox or the A's and the people that, uh, helped me over the years which it would be the wrong thing to do and uh, i trusted that the midwestern you know uh... Fan, the people from the midwest would understand that more
0: than anybody yeah tony uh... that, that, that as you imagine that got a lot of uh, attention initially I, I understood it and i kind of thought that was the direction you would go uh... but uh... nonetheless the appreciation for the era was uh... and is ridiculous here and there were so many teams we were talking about this before this segment from two thousand on, all the way through your final season, and of course it's carried on in two thousand twelve and two thousand thirteen. The team was competitive. Even in the down years of two thousand seven and two thousand eight, you guys were in the mix for the wild card spot into September. Right. That is a that is a, a run that no other organization in baseball, going back to two thousand, including the Yankees, can claim and that speaks to this string of consistency that I that I, I Really can't recall in Major League Baseball. I mean, you're talking about 15 seasons of, of competitive baseball and in all but a handful going into the postseason. It's, an, it's been an incredible runaround here.
2: Well, you know, part of it is talent. I mean, and believe me, there is talent in other organizations. So it's way beyond that. It, it, there's a chemistry, there's a respect that the players develop. I think there's a relationship that the players develop with with the people that serve them, like the coaches. Trainers, you know, a video stress. I mean, it was just something that it, it builds more than what the talent really would would take. In fact, there are times we might have been hurt. We were still winning games because our, our our commitment was so strong. And and, and I got to, I, you and know, the other thing, by the way, <laughs> let me get that one logo thing. I, you know, I asked all three, "Let's put all three of them on the hat," and it couldn't be done. So you said that, that would have been perfect in my eyes, but uh, it couldn't be done that way. But I do agree. And, you know, the one thing I heard on the, as I was waiting to come on, you know, that you've got Scott coming on next. And I would just, the day before yesterday, I'm in uh, the LA area and we were talking, you know, I loved to watch great defense. And I talked about three guys that played a bit while I was the manager that I would pay to watch play defense. And that was Yadi Molina, Jim Edmonds, and Scott Rowland. And I wish it, it there could have been 27 balls at the center field one day and 27 balls hit the third base one day so you know that's just that's the talent but it was way beyond that it was the way these guys worked together and cared for each other and and you know a long grinding season they made things happen
0: hey tony of all these teams in st louis that you had a chance to manage couple world champions pennant winners division winners is there one that stands out to you as the best, or are you gonna are you gonna throw a tide for first at me?
2: Yeah, no, it's I would. It's all disrespect, thing, man. I could do. I mean, you know, we won 83 games, and then we win the World Series in '06. But everybody knows that most of the second half we didn't have Scott, we didn't have Jim, we didn't have Albert. You know, we had uh, you know injuries. you know, David Eckstein even got hurt. So uh, that team, when it came together was, you know, was our first World Series here, first World Series for the DeWitt family, and the first one the Cardinal fans it had since 82, you know, so how, how can that be not as great as 2011 was, but I'll tell you, you know, some of those 100-win years that was built for six months of playing great baseball, I had just as much fond memory and respect for those teams, and uh, you know, the old 4 team, where we finally won a pennant, I mean, yeah, I bet. And you put it all together. Probably 2002 is the most memorable, just because it just showed how human and how tough our guys were once we lost Daryl and Jack.
0: That was that was the one I was going to ask you guys about. I mean, that 2002 season, you guys experienced something that, that I mean, how many teams actually lose a teammate in the middle of the year, and then go on to have the success you did, and and were really right there for for, for winning a National League pennant.
1: Well, that was tough, Tony. I mean that year was tough but you know it's all the stuff that goes on and all the wins and all the losses and stuff but tony stood up in front of our team and really pulled us together and even though we didn't play very well um that sunday night i believe that we had to play that game against the cubs um you know he just pulled us together and, and taught us i mean this is the teaching experience that he was he would bring to the field every day and uh and just everybody and i think what he talks about is all everybody worked hard but we worked hard because he Showed us how to work hard. I mean, he was there first every day. He was doing everything right and, and, uh, just taught us the way. But Tony, I always talk about the 2000 team because I thought that was the year that really turned the tides here, even though I didn't know much about the history. But I always talked about how out of control and how much fun we had on that team and how I always laughed because I always thought that probably had to go back if you think about the hardest team for you to control because we had so many idiots on the team. <laughs> When you're talking about Dunstan and, and uh, Davis and Tank and all those guys, I just thought, I might, I think back to those days, and I, I laughed every day in the dugout until we went home, and I thought that was pretty fun.
2: No, I agree with you, Jim. That was a very special because, you know, we had had, you know, 98. Um, you know, Mark had, had the great year and we finished for 500, but we were a losing team in 99. And uh, and a guy who, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I'm not around single enough, but I hope our fans still – We'll give credit to Walt Jockney because Walt had that remarkable winner. All of a sudden, he brings in Darrell and he brings in Mike Matheny. He had gotten Renteria the year before. He brings in Dave Veers. Spring training, in comes Jim Edmonds. So uh, we, we improve, but I, I make a big fuss about it because what happened was our clubhouse culture kept getting better and better. And, uh, you know, if, if there was somebody that didn't fit to play hard and care, You know, they weren't going to stay around long. And uh, we ended up in 2000. The leadership on that team was so good. The coaches and I felt uh, we could entrust that team with anything. We could walk away and take a week vacation. And and nobody would miss us because guys that were watching over that team. And, you know, Pat Hinkton was on that team. Remember Pat, Andy Bennett. I mean, it was just an amazing group of guys. And uh, it, it was fun. It was fun until the end. We had Hank. You know, Rick Ankeel, who's still one of my all-time favorites. And, unfortunately, you know, we got down to the end, and our pitching staff was beat up, and we lost in the championship series. But uh, I agree with you, Jim. 2000 was the beginning, and and a bunch of guys that came in were the ones that uh, really made it a healthy atmosphere.
1: Set the tone, and... uh... I also want to be, I'm going to beat McKernan here to this one and I want to just thank you for coming on our show. You sound busy, sound like you're walking and I know you're busy. And, uh, I think we're going to let you go even though Tim's got about 30 more questions for you. So the next time you have about two hours to kill, we'd like to have you come sit down with us, but we'll make a phone call again and, and talk to you again. So I'm going to beat Timmy to the next question and tell you thank you very much for, uh, for talking to us and you'll always be like a father to me and I appreciate you calling in.
2: All right, well, you know, Jim, uh, you know, Tim is on your coattails, so whenever you want me to be on the show, all you got to do is ask, and Tim will ride oh your God. coattails.
0: Yeah, that sums it up pretty accurately. Tony, enjoy the day. Looking forward to seeing you in the red jacket today for the home opener.
2: Okay, man. Thanks a lot. You guys take care.
0: Thank See you. A it's Tony Larusa with us here on the Edmonds and McKernan Show, our inaugural guest on the SAPA GM Country phone lines. I was looking forward to asking him all kinds of questions, and Edmonds jumps in and it cuts me off. You could you tell could, he was walking. That's a nice read on your part. He was Very breathing heavy
1: right there, Tony. I think you were breathing heavy right there. I know you're not listening <laughs> anymore, but he uh, yeah, could be streaming on the app. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, he was. Well, he was definitely walking. He's probably walking from Ballpark Village to get inside or something. But uh, that man works hard. I'll tell you right now. I've seen him in more cities in the last six months, in different cities than I can than I can even imagine being retired and now that he's working for. MLB uh, for the commissioner. He just
0: never stops. His most craziest schedule I've ever seen. He uh, he was. We saw him down in Florida. Then he traveled up the coast. I think he then had to travel to Arizona for his MLB instant replay responsibilities. Well, he did the instant replay, and then he yeah. did the catchers, the catchers. And then he left. Yeah, yeah. So blocking the plate and how that has changed uh, this year. Do you like that? Do the I like the new it? rule on the catchers blocking the plate? I, I Or not being I, allowed to I should You look? know what I do like? I do
1: like um, unnecessary uh unnecessarily running over the catcher. I you do, do enjoy not, that. I do not like Oh you do not I, enjoy, do not enjoy I do not like the catcher to be um run over uh, when it's not a crucial situation. I, I would say the playoff if you need to score, you know, in the situation and the catcher's gonna block the plate in the playoffs, but I think that I wish that they would have come up with a way to just judge it like they do in some other sports where the commissioner will come down on you if you if they can, if they even think that you went out of your way to run over the catcher. And um, I know it's not fair to let the catcher block the plate, but I don't think it's fair to take cheap shots at them. So I just don't like what I'm seeing right now with some of the catchers being in limbo as far as they don't know where, they, where they're supposed to stand. They're giving away the plate. We've yeah. given away runs watching it on TV. Um, And then we had a play in Oakland the other day where the catcher was blocking the plate but got the ball early enough and covered up the plate, and it was a collision. It wasn't a major collision, but that's just part of the game. I just think there's a couple guys, and there's a few guys, maybe almost one guy in each team that would just love to take a cheap shot at the catcher, and I just don't like that. I just don't think that if you were a good player and you um, cared about your team, you wouldn't want that to happen to your catcher. And I think that's where it goes to. That means to me, I, I, I will say out on a limb, that that means to me that you don't care about your teammates enough to understand what happens to them, and you're taking a shot at somebody when you don't need to, especially in the first half of the season or, uh, you know, a play right. in the second inning in, in May. I, I, just don't, I just don't think that's the way the game is supposed to be played. I don't think that you should take shots at people Um you know, like I said, if, if there's nothing on the line and people will say, well, there's a run on the line. Well, there's your, you know, your career's on the line too. And I just don't think that that's a way you want to go about losing your career. Did you ever run a catcher over? No, I never had the chance to. I mean, I've had the chance to, but like I said, I, I think if I would have had the opportunity in the playoff game or the world series game, yes. But the, the closest, I had a, a couple confrontations with Joe Girardi because he was so good at blocking the plate. And, uh, is this when he was with the Yanks, and you no, were the he's just... with the Cubs. Ah. And he, uh, I tried to slide past him, and he kicked me and kicked me off the plate. And then the next time I came in, I slid in hard as I could to him and knocked him over. And he said, "I like the way you play the game," and walked away. So, I mean, that's just part of the game. That's the way the game's supposed to be played. You were teammates with him in 2003. He, didn't, he wasn't healthy and didn't get to play much, but he was brought in as the backup catcher. To he's a good guy. He's a yeah. good, hard-nosed player, and he's a good manager. And he's a, he's a, you know, a guy that it was fun to understand and get to know. And, uh, it was nice to see him on my side of the ball for once instead of you know playing against him.
0: Uh, Joe Girardi and the Yankees will be here Memorial Day, and Memorial Day the first couple days afterwards. That should be a hell of a series, Derek Jeter's farewell tour. Because uh, I'll we'll be at the lake. You're going to be at the lake for more. That's where we'll do the show. That, that's where we should do the show. <laughs> that's where we're talking about. A, we'll bring the listeners down to the lake, and you can sign autographs for three straight days at the lake. Would you like that?
1: Yes. I, we've already talked about all this. I, I've heard you mention Vegas already. Uh I, my friends are calling in saying when do we get the when, do we, the, get to go to Las when do we get the package to you know to win uh, I, I, people are asking me how to win the package that you've been bringing up about going to Vegas and Where else should we go? There's a lot of places we can go. Let's <laughs> do the show from Europe. That thing can be packed up and that board right there that can be board, packed. Look up. at this thing. We can get a phone line. I mean if they can get a phone line up here in in the midst of minutes, I think we can get a phone line anywhere right now. So, uh, this show's going on the road. Figure it out.
0: Do I get to set that remote up too? Hey, there's Joe Roderick, yes, everybody. Did we're all going that? together. All
1: right. It's a team plan. It's a team plan.
0: Okay. You have the Sea Monster on your left. You have Joe Roderick on your right, and you have Willie back at the World Headquarters. Have you met Willie yet, uh, Jim? Yes. Uh,
1: oh yeah. no, Willie. No, he's on Tinder so. a lot. Oh, that's not. Oh, we've met. I think we've met. Ha- Willie, hey. have we met? It was during the World Series. I'm, I'm a very forgettable person. It's okay. It's alright, I wish I could say I had been on Tinder and seen if you were looking for men or women, but
0: um, I haven't
1: got I haven't got a chance for that yet, so we'll just, uh, We'll shake hands later on.
0: <laughs> yes, I look forward to it. Thank you. Willie takes, <laughs> takes his first shot 45 minutes into the That's briefing. okay. That's
1: what this is going to be all about. Yeah. We're going to be family, but we're going to have some fun.
0: Busting balls. I've already
1: unplugged Tim's computer twice. <laughs>
0: yeah. Text in 38822. Bust balls if you would like. Ask questions. Give comments. It is the debut show of the Edmonds and McKernan presentation. Tony LaRusso already on the program. Scott Rowland going to join us in the next segment. We have trivia for our listeners. We're going to give away a Monty's gift certificate with some Baseball trivia coming up in the 1 o'clock hour. It's Cardinal opening day, the home opener, live from Llewellyn's Pub in Soulard. Come on by and take the free Llewellyn's Trolley to the Cardinal game starting at 1.30 p.m. That trolley will start running to and from Busch Stadium. It is a great place to be for Cardinal baseball on the home opener day. Tim McKernan, Jim Edmonds, the Sea Monster, Joe Roderick, and Willie all with you here on the Edmonds and McKernan Show. This is CBS Sports 920 and InsideSTL.com.